It's This Week in Sleeves with your hosts, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking Category 3 movies of note. Not that we picked the worst out of the bunch, but we still have... uh, Plenty of uh, known and quotable ones to cover, but and we're going back to that after doing some obscure ones, even non-category free ones for once. So in this episode, we found uh, we find out what a dickhead move it is to go to Thailand on your holiday to whore, and we'll step inside the torture chamber envisioned by Wong Jing. So therefore, we'll, re- we'll review Cash Chin's The Eternal Evil of Asia from 1995 and Bosco Lam's. Chinese torture chamber story from 1994, and with me and my guinea pig to test out said torture methods is the great Lord Joshua Regal. So, how do you like the wooden horse, buddy? Oh man, dude, you know I just uh, I just can't. How did wait. you like being paraded in the street on the wooden horse? If I'm gonna be sodomized to death, I certainly want an audience. And on a horse makes it all makes it all better. <laughs> you know. Well, especially a nice wooden one so I can get all the good splinters going and everything, yeah. Not making this up, people. Well, well we're making up the Joshua. But the movie showcase, movies, one of them showcases this in the flesh. And uh, you wonder, Joshua, if you, uh, like, were you ever curious to, like, I'm going to Google this shit. Was this even true that the Qing dynasty could be this cruel? I personally think there's some truth to this that there were grave torture methods whether they were these torture methods. Mm-hmm. That, that, that I'll leave up in the air, but I'm thinking like it's there's something there, right? Well, I mean, when we get there, I guess we'll discuss it, but, it, it, you know, part of me just has to believe that, you know, surely just, every, like, they weren't this big a perverts during the time. Surely not. But uh, I'm sure court cases and punishments there on the floor oh yeah were uh was a thing you know so uh but, but yeah we'll get to it but uh we'll uh, do some contact information and then we'll uh take a musical break and then it's uh flying into the eternal evil of asia almost uh you can almost argue that we'll fly into it because it's sort of a crazy wacky hyperkinetic uh, visual visual movie and i maybe should set this stage for people who do not remember the name cash chin the director of sex and Sand 2 Covered on the show, very much a visual movie. Uh, the director of the 33 D Invader, one of his, uh, uh, well, it's five years old now, but it's one of his new category three whack fests with uh, the guy who turns into a cactus and has this cactus dick, space cactus dick kind of thing that he rapes with, and uh, you know all that good stuff. Uh, Cash Chin stayed true to his uh, filmmaking even in 2011, and is. Uh, an underrated uh, guy with a wonderful English name, Cash. Yeah, I mean, little known fact, he was also a founder of the New Orleans rap group, uh, the Cash Money Millionaires, uh, along with Little Wayne and Birdman, Juvenile, all those guys. You should probably get, bring in Tom and Jay, because I have no idea what this language is. <laughs> I think I recognize that Little Wayne, but, uh, oh, yeah. y- you know, let me ask you something. Like, like fuck this show for a minute. Like... <laughs> I've seen parodies of Lil Wayne, like uh, Key and Peele have done parodies of him, right? Like, uh, l- let's ma- make it a fair question. Is he a comedic rapper or is he a super serious rapper that has 
become like a, an unfair victim of comedic abuse? Or what's your take on Lil Wayne? He definitely takes most rappers take themselves very serious. Uh, he has a sense of humor. I've seen him in videos and stuff like on Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer. I think he was playing like the Tony Hawk game on there. So he, he has a sense of humor and he, he jokes around a little bit. But yeah, his music is uh, obviously for idiots and uh, very uh, poorly written. Uh, most of the time, I think he just freestyles his raps, you know, just crap off the top of his head about, you know, being a millionaire and you know fucking bitches and smoking weed and getting money lame very very lame he's a new orleans rapper he's been famous since he was probably about 13 14 years old and still talks about it as if he comes from the hard streets or whatever dude you probably you lived in like the projects maybe 10 years of your life or something You, you don't know anything you know you're 12 13 years old becoming a millionaire you know, there, there was a joke recently uh, uh, on Maron. I started watching Maron, the, the mm-hmm. fourth season, and in the fourth yeah. season he goes into rehab and meets this guy, this white guy who's uh, totally gangster and, like, abuses him and all of that. And, <laughs> uh, and like he says, I'm from, I'm from the wood, I'm from wood, and, and Maron assumes that it's probably Inglewood. But yeah. someone says, no, 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 he's from Brentwood. <laughs> because his guy, he says, his guy produces all those robot movies. So apparently he's like the son of a Hollywood producer. Lil Wayne also, like, he tries to, like, he's he's noted around here because, like, he'll sit there and he talks about being associated with the Bloods and shit like that. And it's like there okay. are no, there are no Crips or Bloods in Louisiana. <laughs> that... I'm the only member. If you look into, like, New Orleans or Louisiana-based organized crime, as far as, like, gangs go, they're very, very loose, you know? I mean, you'll find, like, certain, like, projects or what used to be the projects in New Orleans that stuck together and things like that, but very seldom do they, like, even have names and stuff like that, you know, other than, you know, this guy's from here, this guy's from there. They, You know, it's it's every man for himself as far as, like, gangs go or whatever and uh he talks about that and he talks about being shot but he accidentally shot himself with his own gun <laughs> i mean is this a bit you think no is this really him this is you know really what he does and like he has like tattoos on his face and stuff like that the whole it sounds like someone should be shooting here for like a little wayne spinal tap style documentary <laughs> they, they really should but he, if he means it, then, like, come on, man, I snap out of it. Yeah, well, you wish he would, but he's not gonna, because he's still making millions of dollars off of his image. Oh, yeah, and also, like, he, he claims New Orleans all the time, but he actually, like, lives in Florida now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it, there it is, people. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the Key and Peele sketch was uh, about him. He, he was in prison, and, uh, like, a camera was shooting him, and he was stabbed all the time. <laughs> like all the damn time like he survived it but he was, the, I think that, that was the bit I don't remember any quotes from it now but uh, uh, I'm sure uh, I think it was Jordan that uh, was doing Lil Wayne uh, <laughs> Jordan Peele and, and I think uh, he, his impressions are good uh, or spot on I think so, so I think that was it so someone came up to him and like stabbed me like and then ran off and uh, off topic but did you see Keanu? Not seen it yet. Uh, I mean, it's not going. It's not going to come to my part of the part of the world. So I'm. I'm probably. I'm waiting for a, an iTunes rental, which I'm sure is going to turn up soon. I don't know. It, it is kind of like a, a bit of a one note joke that you know. Here's these guys hanging out with a bunch of like tough gangsters, and, and they're the about as far away from gangster as possible. 
here's the thing. Always the question when these things, half an hour shows turn into movies. This is not even a half an hour show. It's a skit show. Yeah. Does it warrant a movie? You know, I, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I wish they'd have covered something else other than this. But I, I do think it worked. I, I think that uh, it'll probably be kind of like a little cult hit in the future. I think it's going to develop enough quotable lines and things like that. I wish it would have been a bigger success for them. I don't think it did very well. Being big on TV on Comedy Central doesn't mean that you're going to blow up in the cinemas automatically. Uh, so. Or YouTube. Mm-hmm. Even. They're bigger on YouTube than on TV, you know? But yeah, I wish it would have been a bigger success for them so we'd get more stuff. But it's better than like that idea I'd heard that they were going to do a, a movie about the substitute teacher who mispronounces names. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that It's Blocky in the house. Blocky? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Blake. Oh, is that, gonna, is that how it's going to be? <laughs> Unfortunately, like everybody who... uh. Anybody who's named Blake or Aaron from now on is always Balake and A.A. Ron. Jacqueline! Jacqueline! <laughs> Jacqueline! <laughs> Jacqueline. <laughs> I love that. I, I I mean, if they can build a movie around that, I'm not too sure. But for those few minutes that, that he does that is, uh, is wonderful because he's so confrontational. <laughs> Again, great for skits, maybe doubtful for movies, but when it does arrive on iTunes, uh, because I think it's going to hit that first in my in my world, um, I'm I'm taking it on definitely. The trailer was fun enough. It's a good movie, yeah. I thought. I don't know. I had a good time. I'm curious what you'll think. Right on, right on. We'll get back to you. But uh, okay, let's uh, run through the contact information. And this is this week in Slays on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are located on podcastonfire.com along with all other shows on more respectable cinema from Hong Kong, Taiwan, Korea, and whatnot. Uh, email us if you have any questions or feedback or what you thought of Keanu, for instance. You can email us about that. <laughs> I don't mind. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You can also email us what you think of Keanu Reeves because I like Keanu. Let's have a conversation about Keanu, how awesome he is. Or if you want to talk about sketch comedy groups that make movies, and if you have a vote for which one you think is the best, was it Brain Candy by the Kids in the Hall? Is it McGrooper? Is that the best Saturday Night Live movie? You tell us. I like the Reno movie, although they didn't like they did it. Yeah, that was it. good. I really did like the Reno movie. It's uh, it's um, uh, it uh, worked for me. I, I just ordered a box set because I just realized that the Reno box set that all seasons but one. Uh, the DVD box set is uncensored, and oh, yeah. so if you watch it online, they, they, it's uh, like it appeared on TV, and there's a fair amount of swearing in it. In one episode, they they bring in this uh, TV evangelist type of preacher, and they say, "Get all your swearing out now," and all of them just start saying like "cocksucker," "motherfucking," "fuck," 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 "fuck,", <laughs> fuck and that that scene is just all beeps, and uh, and uh, yeah, I love Reno nine one one. Uh, so so yeah, email us about that indeed. Uh, let's uh, bring the convo, uh, get the convo going, and we can do that on Facebook as well. You can follow the links to our social media on our website. There's a handy buttons to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our iTunes feed as well, which you can rate to and subscribe and even leave a comment on. And you can stream us on Stitcher Radio if you don't want podcasts on your device. You might have all the Reno 911 episodes on your device and no space for podcasts. So streaming <laughs> is the is the option for you there. And uh, I write about uh, these uh, kind of adult wacky movies on sogoodreviews.com. My video hub is 
sleazykvideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. And uh, at the time of recording, the Shelf Life Clothing.com craze, uh, it's not dying off, but the Caucasians t-shirt that uh, Brian Kirby designed and came, it came into the news early this spring, it has died off a little bit, but uh, deservedly so. Uh, his t-shirt uh, got a lot of sales. Unfortunately, the bad side of that, success, bootleggers. And yeah, such shitty behavior. Such shitty behavior. So um, I'm hoping Brian's business in the end will uh, do all right. But because uh, that that's just uh, that's just bad karma, man. Just you go to hell for that one. Yeah. So do go to the original source of the Caucasians t-shirt or hoodie if you do want to buy one. It's shelflifeclothing.com. It, when you recorded last on the Trashy Trio podcast, you it seems like it was in the air that everybody, or at least two of us, were going through tech trouble. Because almost at the same time you said you recorded one that where the recording didn't work. We had one as well. Not you and I, but another podcast on fire it just barely recorded. So it seems like it was in the air for a while. This virus. Oh man, yeah. Wendy and I uh, recorded, and we had like a good hour and a half, two oh, hours. Such discussion. offensive shit that just needed to be released. Not even. We we discussed like mostly modern movies and stuff. Talked about her hatred of Deadpool, my love for it. All right, on a healthy discussion, I hope. Oh, yeah, rather than like, I fuck you, Josh. I hate you. Oh, fuck you, Wendy. How dare you, Wendy? But no, yeah, we had a good conversation. It was great, and uh, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great for release, and then. It didn't record. <laughs> I was like, fuck. In our case, I think it was due to the person on the other end called me, and my recorder got confused by that. Yeah, I'm hoping we're going to actually record very soon. Uh, we're going to go over the uh, Italian crime film. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, puppy. Uh, the Italian crime oh. film, Mr. Scarface. Mm-hmm. A, Mr. Scarface. <laughs> Your dog is uh, ready for it as well. Exactly. He knows about it, don't you, puppy? So uh, is Mr. Scarface at all? Like, is it a, is it a Scarface ripoff or just, it just happens to be called that? Just called that, you know, and the character in the movie's called Scarface, but, you know, it's nothing like, you know, the original Scarface or the Tony Montana version or anything yeah. like that. Uh, there's a Thomas Millian movie where he's called Rambo, but it has nothing to do with that uh, either. So uh, they, they do sort of like, well, uh, well, they it was a little bit conceived like that originally, like way, way, way back in the day. Like someone read the book, First Blood, and then, oh, yeah. yeah, let's make that in the end. Like it wasn't the Rambo or First Blood ripoff, there, but it's amusing that he's called Rambo throughout the movie. And Thomas Millian is awesome because uh, he's, uh, he's uh, iconic, that guy, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in uh, in the case that people want to catch up on past episodes of the Trashy Trio, you are available uh, online at trashytrio.lipson.com or whatever it is. I, I I don't even know the URL, but we'll link <laughs> to your endeavors, my friend. Thank you, sir. Got some good stuff on there. Okay, we'll d- take a short musical break, yeah, and after that, we'll discuss the eternal evil of Asia. And uh, this is the movie. If you didn't know, you might have seen a screen cap of it of actor Elvis Choi, mustache and all, looking like a big penis. <laughs> that's that's the movie, listeners. We're gonna discuss and deconstruct like you read about. So uh, that scene will be covered in our review and discussion of this 1995 movie. So sit tight, and we'll be back.
and welcome back and uh, the first review of this episode is uh, of the movie The Eternal Evil of Asia from 1995 a plot from the Hong Kong digital review of the film the plot concerns a group of friends who take a pleasure trip to Thailand where they accidentally kill the sister of a powerful sorcerer played by Ben Um of Red to Kill fame he was a rapist in Red to Kill Upon returning to Hong Kong, they are like, like did you recognize him by the way immediately? Ooh, Ben. Oh yeah. Okay. I was like I was like, there's my rapist. There he is. <laughs> in this case, more more wizard and like uh, a wizard rapist in a way. Well uh, well uh, for for later parts of the movie. Later parts of the movie. Anyway, upon returning home to Hong Kong, they are beset by the wizard's curse, which quickly begins to dwindle their numbers. One man, played by Bobby Al, chops up his family with a cleaver and then jumps off a building, impaling himself on some fluorescent bulbs, which naturally naturally remain lit afterwards. Of course. Another is afflicted by or with the hungry ghost hex, which turns him into a farm famished cannibal who takes bites out of restaurant patrons before chowing down on his own arm. That was cool. That is a sight to behold, indeed. Mm-hmm. May, played by Ellen Chan, and her boyfriend, played by Chang Kwok Bong. Did you recognize him? Yeah. Brother of Darkness, right? Uh, uh, no, that's uh, Hugo. Mm, a Diary of a Serial Killer and Gates of is. Hell. <laughs> that's uh, Chang Kwok Bong. Oh, Gates of Hell. Yes, indeed. Like the, the different roles. Uh, one a crazy rapist in Gates of Hell trying to find his girlfriend in San Francisco in the underground world of porn. So, with their uh, g- cracked glasses and all. What was this? Uh, shit, I'm trying to think. What he? What's that shit he was yelling when the porn theater in that movie when he's grabbed the gra- guy, the white guy by the neck or whatever? No, turn it off or what? Turn it off! Turn it off! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, go, he goes into that store where he, he finds his girlfriend's videotape. And they, they've been doing underground porn with her, and uh, he finds that. So, but and the guys, the nineties guys, like, yeah, they look at it in the store. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> This is really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Some nineties dude right there. I don't know. Nineties <laughs> yeah. SF dude right there. Oh, turn it off. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I really enjoy that. <laughs> Keep it on. <laughs> Fantas- <laughs> fantastic dubbing from Hong Kong. Like someone in Hong Kong, like trying to approximate that. I think they were talking like that. All right, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> like this is in California, you know, and uh Surf's you know. up, turn it off. <laughs> Surf's up, this is a really good porno video, bro. <laughs> Jesus. Very good movie, like uh but we were too like busy discussing the eat my bomb line to even acknowledge <laughs> those guys. But anyway, May and her boyfriend, played by Chan Kwok Bong from those movies, uh, would seem to be the next targets. But luckily, May's best friend, played by Lily Chung, of uh, um, she was in Daughter of Darkness and Red to Kill as well. She played a mentally challenged uh, little girl. Not little girl, she was a, a woman in that, but she was mentally challenged. Uh, she thought she was a little girl. Uh, but she just happens to be a Thai enchantress with her own special gifts. So let's jump into a short, brief opinion for now, Joshua. What did you think of Eternal Evil of Asia? And uh, I know you know of the scene we, we mentioned before, but have you seen the movie before? I had not seen this one. No, this was new to me. Even though, you know, you've everybody's seen the uh, Elvis Choi uh, dickhead, you know, scene and, you know, pictures and whatnot. But, you know, my initial thoughts. Mwah! That was me doing like the Italian like chef thing. Where, like, you t- put the thing in your mouth. And you- okay. I was kind of scared. You were like, nah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. You were saying, nah, okay, 
no, no, no. That that was, you know, uh, that's the spicy meatball. You know, splendid. There you go. Mm-hmm. Quality cinema. Indeed, it's directed with a hyperactive visual style, and it's fairly straight. If if you can say straight about insanity like this, but it it's like it's supernatural horror in intent with some dips into comedy and it's a lot of fun and very wild it, uh, and I, cast jeez yeah it's a who's who of uh, of category three really and uh, but, but i like that they leave out most of the obnoxious comedy and even nudity in favor of decently executed gore and the wild supernatural set pieces and director cash chin definitely creates this only in hong kong ride with this one and uh, another notch on his uh you know uh belt I'd say, because uh, he's a great director, I think, and he has his own wild style. It, it comes from him. It really does yeah. come from him. So the movie opens up with a PSA of sorts. How to deal with little chil- the souls of little children. What the fuck was this about? It's a little pre-movie that doesn't really connect to anything. I uh, thought it was going to come back in. I thought, okay, this is you know what they're going to be dealing with they're going to be dealing with a little ghost a ghost child or something like that i really thought that that's what this was going to be about and it did yeah i thought so too because it it shows that you can use the kid's soul to invade houses and make uh you know, get people killed that way and cast chin does his best evil dead roaming force shots here and all of that which is not uh you know, it's it's not it's nice to see. It's not a, a lame copy thingy, and and he doesn't do it throughout the movie. It's just a, a little POV thing. The, the, why it's a PSA as well. He explains Cash Chin that the do's and don'ts of what to do when you see a pale kid watching a movie. Don't go to the bathroom with the small child. Yeah, well, That's... Dad, of course you shouldn't. <laughs> I didn't think that needed to be said. You know. Is that common in Hong Kong, you know, some kid, random ass kids like, hey, take me to the toilet. You know what, as dove does it might sound, you know, Chinese superstition is what it is, though. And I think uh, you're not supposed to be playing with that, but it seems a little... um, Well, as as they say constantly throughout the movie, you know, when it comes to, what is it, when it comes to hex, I do not play games. Yeah, (laughs) shit like that. As, as, what they should have had after this sequence is that little, uh, you know, when you say, like, uh, the more you know, and you play that little ding, 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 ding. NPC. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, that begs the question. Did you dig that it was more of a horror vibe with some dips into wackiness rather than, like, it, it, because it's not a movie with uh, perverted comedy and some right. horror no, definitely. I thought the you know it's a neat, much needed break, you know, as far as like uh, from the usual tone, you know, and it's not completely bleak, you know, untold story, uh, the rapist sort of stuff. You know, this is a, a kind of a, a nice hybrid mix of you know humor and gore and horror. I think yeah, I think it really works well. Yeah, Hong Kong cinema like has built up this goodwill, and I can adore the wacky comedy, of course. But I like when someone tries to think a little in a stronger way, and uh, because it it really does open up with that uh, murder that Bobby Al yeah. commits, and uh, it's not the most disgusting thing I've seen because the, the uh, or scary because Cash Chin, his hyperactive visual style, really isn't meant to be tension filled. It's more chaotic. So, so, so it's not really scary, or what did you think? I think, and it happens so fast. Everything happens so quick that you know, I, you know, you can't even fault the audience if they're not 
able to keep up with it, you know? We were introduced to the character as he comes home from uh, basically the burial of his parents, right? Or the cre- cremation, whatever, some kind of thing. Then immediately, though, his wife and child, I mean, he starts seeing hallucinations of his parents, you know, coming back as ghosts. He mistakes his family for them, ends up killing his uh, wife and son with a butcher's knife. And then they're back, then they're at the door, the ghosts, and he opens it up and it's really his neighbors, but he doesn't realize that. So he's killing them. So, yeah, it's a whole lot happening, probably in a three, four minute sequence, you know? whole lot of backstory packed in there, a whole lot of, you know, oh, what, huh? Yeah. Dead people. Blood everywhere. Okay. But still, it, it, is that too much, you think? Or does Cash Chin sort of uh, make us catch up anyway uh, in this? Because it's really like quick cut and frenzied as well, a lot of tilted angles and push-ins and stuff. So is it still coherent after all the sudden? No, I don't think, it's not incoherent. It's just I wouldn't fault anybody if they you know, possibly weren't paying attention enough or anything like that. Like, it's it's easy enough to lose where you are in it to, for the insanity and how quick it moves and, you know, the multitude of shots that are thrown into this little small sequence. But, you know, if you're there with the movie, it's really interesting and entertaining, and it doesn't try to be, you know, necessarily spooky too, you know, and too much, you know. It's just some ghost shots and stuff like that with like a lot of blue lighting and things like that. You know, okay, you know. But yeah, I think it's really cool actually. Yeah, and then you cut to uh you see Benum here like on the floor below, I guess, uh, perform this uh voodoo essentially and um it, it and it's it's quite cool. Like they they designed the puppets as it has like creepy, like sort of damp hair on it as well. So it's not this just this straw puppet with his face on it, but uh, they, they sort of slime it up a little bit, like almost in that trauma way, where if you're going to make your monsters like come off in Claws of Nuke High, for instance, in a bit of a scary way, just throw slime on them, like throw slime yeah. on our puppets, but in, in, even though they throw a little bit of damp stuff on the hair to make it like glisten in the cinematography, it's still like you go, ooh, a little bit, like hair. Ugh. <laughs> And then and, and, and those like push ins onto Benton's eyes and the, I know Cash Chin sort of likes to tilt his camera and all of that, but I never oh, thought yeah. he was um, this desperate to please type of director. It uh, if you remember Sex and Zen, my, my our notes and my notes certainly was on it. The the notes we had was that it felt like a ride sometimes because the camera is like whoa, and then it goes yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it's yeah. driving us on a roller coaster ride. And it, at this time, it seems to be his thing. But I never thought he felt like I'm 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 no good, so I'm desperate to please type of director. No. Not in my eyes, anyway. No, considering especially like how different his movies seem than a lot of the films that you end up watching. You know the pace and uh, just the willing to willingness to try different things you know very original for this genre and we cut to boobs but not really (laughs) because it's not oogling it's actually a scene between two women set at a hair salon so so we we see lily chung at this point you know so it's not like bring in charlie it's not that Eh. kind of movie it's not even elvis or any of the other males like (laughs) boobs And Elvis wouldn't be in there anyway. He has no hair, so it wouldn't really make sense. 
for him to be <laughs> there so long. So, so, so yeah. But the, I, I think Cash Chain is uh, he makes us. If we were confused by that sequence, we we are we catch up through natural exposition that these guys did something. It's a little bit of a flashback structure, as they all worry about. I mean, he died, and this and that. We, we don't know exactly what happened, of course. But I think that there's never any uh, weak points in terms of coherence, and we catch up to the story pretty damn well. Actually, I think you know. I mean. We, we've already talked about and kind of, you know, said that, uh, you know, they accidentally killed somebody, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, that sort of stuff, actually, when you're watching the progression of the movie without knowing any of that, you know, it's like, oh, what did they do in Thailand? You know, what happened? It's uh, it's very well done. But uh, before we move on, uh, we got to talk uh, the cameo by your movie girlfriend or movie wife. Uh, Kingdom Yun uh, bursts into this movie for one scene. <laughs> To uh, to do what exactly? So the floor is yours. What do you want to say? She bursts onto every scene and every movie that she's in, especially in the second one. In this one, yeah, in this episode, God. But, yeah, because the second movie, but by the way, it's her little mini movie in the in the movie. In my opinion, like uh, she has a little movie of her own, a little movie about boobs in a Chinese torture chamber story. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> it's my turn now. So bizarre. But what uh, does she do here? She bursts onto the screen and uh, to, give, to give what and do what? Well, why don't you uh, tell us what she's credited as? Yes, because Hong Kong Movie Database is helpful uh, when uh, they, they do their work uh, well over there. So, uh, Because she has a one-scene cameo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Julie Lee is in this movie. She's called Witch. That makes sense. <laughs> and uh, But uh, Kingdom Yun is given the credit... Uh, aside from it being mentioned as a cameo, she is credited as, and this is true, this is not slang for something other, some other thing, blowjob lecturer. <laughs> and uh, so, Joshua, is that a symbolism for something else? Something political? No, that's exactly what it is. You know, uh, she shows up for one scene to discuss the finer points of uh, oral pleasure. And the finer points are four key things, though. Hold, blow, oh, well, five. Hold, blow, suck, squeeze, and touch. <laughs> and, and when she says blow, it's for real. She, she really means blowing air, which is bizarre. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Putting ice in your mouth and blowing cold air is apparently aphrodisiac type qualities. She's done this multiple times in movies, man. She did it in Rape by an Angel as well. There's a joke remember, about yeah. the fire eyes kind of thing in terms of oral sex, uh-huh. uh, where you put ice in your mouth and then suck your guy's cock. And and uh, we, we I remember we said on the show, like, no, nah, that doesn't sound pleasurable, actually. Like, ice <laughs> and cold and crap. And she, I, I don't know, it, it gets me thinking, Joshua, that either this was something... This was her type of humor, or that she sort of in the media had done this before in other areas where they said, Bring in her and we'll like uh, channel the thing she said on radio and TV or whatever. Because it's so similar across two movies, mind you. But I know uh, it fascinates me, and I think she's a still a wonderful uh, comedian because her energy is just sort of like, Hey, hey, hey I'm here now, let's all blow jobs. <laughs> <laughs> the movie can start. I'm on set. Let's do it. She's great, and she brings like an awesome energy to every role she's in. And not this. Uh, I mean, she's a good-looking woman too, which is uh, wonderful. That the oh, oh, this is going to sound horrible. Like, it, but you wouldn't expect those words to come out of her mouth necessarily. So I like when you're surprised about 
mm-hmm. when someone comes on screen. Oh, okay, right. Look at that woman. Oh my gosh, she's saying X-rated stuff. Right on. <laughs> like uh, we all can do it. Like women and women and uh, men can all uh, can all do uh, blowjob jokes and get away with it and should. But, yeah, but uh, I don't think I've laughed as much as when Kingdom Moon just bursts onto the screen. Like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> here we go. So, so, so yeah, a cameo and then she's out. I, I'm quite fascinated still by Cass Chin's style and how what he chooses to do in this one. And it's really low-budget solutions mm-hmm. because there are these undercranked flashes and sort of booms in on the soundtrack as characters are affected by spells and things like that. And um, I kept thinking of inspirations for this because... It wasn't super common that a Hong Kong director really poured it on like this. And it's not as creative as the person I'm going to mention. But I wonder deep inside if a, a filmmaker like him watched the early work of Sam Raimi. And I was about to say the same thing. Yep. Early Evil, like Evil Dead 1 and 2. Yeah. You can definitely see how the hyperkinetic visuals, the use of sound effects, the, you know, the lighting and things like that, you know. Very Sam Raimi esque, and and not a bad mimic to or or unwise mimic to even uh, attempt. Like, is it a good uh, choice for a Hong Kong movie to sort of try and echo that? It's not a lazy copy, I guess. It's the simple question to you. Right, Peter Jackson made a career off of it. You know, <laughs> like one of the biggest directors in the world. Yeah, it's not exactly a, a bad thing to be mimicking, and uh, I think it's an excellent choice, and especially for. You know these types of films and stuff like that. I mean, it's it it's something entirely unique within this context. And I guess Sam Raimi, he was certainly not afraid of comedy. And uh, but I like how Cassian plays comedy here because the Bobby Owls character returns, uh, the guy who died uh, with uh, after jumping off the building, killing his uh, family, and he returns uh, with the fluorescent lights intact <laughs> to <laughs> sort of have a conversation with his friend. Still lit up. <laughs> and uh, what do you think of the choice of playing this as more comedic rather than uh, The Walking Dead <laughs> kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a perfect mix of uh, you know black comedy with uh, some of the overdone, some of the overly over the topness, <laughs> if that's a thing, of uh, Hong Kong cinema. You know. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I love that he isn't there to scare him and isn't there to be like, ooh, I gotta tell you something, what happened to me? He just sort of shows up, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey. It's uh, because he, he arrives, obviously, with the blinking fluorescent lights, as you said, but, uh, and his friend kind of freaks out. But he does, uh, after all, starts, after all the said and done starts to talk to him and like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> How's it going? It's very, it's very like that. Okay, well, it's just a normal convo after a while. And, right. Uh, it's, it's not even like a, uh, you know, I have a forewarning for you, you know, anything like that. It really is. It's just like it's enough to freak the main guy out, but like, you know, it's about a. If Charlie ever returned to that, he would do like they did in Bill and Ted, you know, <laughs> when they returned, like in the second movie, like, oh, he got yeah. Whoa, we can totally see down your mom. Shut up, dude. <laughs> Like, if Charlie ever did that, they would be like, oh, boobs. I can't touch them, but ooh, boobs. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, Charlie ever came back in any movie to continue. Well, I think I think he uh, he did some possession stuff in, like, uh, um, that, uh, uh, God 
damn it. The, uh, <laughs> With the I've, red eyes. Yeah, exactly. I, for, I can't believe uh, I can't believe I've forgotten the name of that movie. It was Rape Something, uh, like an unsubtitled movie. Nevertheless, we'll move on. You're like, I can't believe I forgot that movie was awful. <laughs> well, we watched it for one of our uh, Christmas Charlie specials. Yeah. yeah. So we talked to this ginseng thingy that gave him uh, powers and uh, it was... Uh, Devil of Rape. That was it. And it, it has that awful footage of uh, Pauline Chan showering. Yes. Oh, so sad. Let's move on. Because the movie cut to what uh, what happened in Thailand. And uh, it cuts to what all dudes apparently do. Go, They go whoring elsewhere. Okay. We've got to talk about my favorite subtitle here. <laughs> it takes place... Uh, they go to a bar. And um, the most bizarre... Okay, here's the subtitle. The girl in the bar had AIDS. What a big joke. <laughs> I love that delivery. What a big joke. Oh, <laughs> That's what it said. And I, apparently, what I gathered from it, they were going to pay a pimp to watch a girl with AIDS have sex with somebody. I don't cool. know, Joshua. This world is so foreign to me. It's a yes. little bit confused. I mean, I, they're, they're going whoring. I mean, that's all you need to know. But they're sort of... Uh, the intricacies of how they want to and what they're paying for, I couldn't really understand that, to be honest. That's what I understood. Like, they were going to watch a girl with AIDS have sex with somebody, and then the pimp wanted too much money. So they decided to, you know, run. <laughs> run away. And, uh, yeah, that leads them into the woods, which leads them to, uh, you know, the world of wizards. Yeah, ben, Ben, mm, and his, um, uh, his, and his world and all of that. And, uh, you know, all throughout, it, 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 this has a very commendable pace. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of any sidetracks because no. death and the setup and the questions, lack of answers, and then the flashback happens very quick. I didn't look at my watch at all. It was just boom, 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 half an hour in, in Thailand. So let's talk about um, what the wizard can do, that Benham uh, plays, and uh, what he does. Because uh, the guys who go to Thailand, they're not necessarily all uh, like uh, respectable guys. And uh, some of them are loud, more loudmouths uh, compared to the others. And the biggest loudmouth, I guess, is uh, Elvis Choi. Yes, he is. Uh, I mean, Bobby Ao is sort of the driving force of like, Yes, we're going to Thailand! It's going to be awesome! <laughs> And Chan Kwok Bong is sort of there, there and the other guy is uh, sort of in on it as well. But Elvis Choi is the kind of guy like, okay, I'll talk the loudest and uh, that's my attitude right here. So what do you know? You're a wizard. Like, big whoop. So he, so he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Literal. <laughs> what subsequently uh, is demonstrated, the powers are demonstrated, but uh, how, in what way does Ben Um demonstrate his powers and uh, towards who? So Ben's like, hey... You know, guys, I'm a wizard. And they're like, whatever. And then Elvis Choi is like, uh, pulls everybody into a huddle, like one and a half feet away from uh, Benong. And he's like, why are we sitting here listening to this dickhead? Let's go and let's get back to, you know, da 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 And uh, Benong is like, I can hear you. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? You heard me calling you a dickhead, dickhead? And that ultimately leads to Ben showing that he does have powers converting uh, Elvis Choi's head into a literal dick head, which is really well done. It's an amazing piece of uh, makeup. I mean, they probably put just a thing over his head, like for his head to peek out of, but mm-hmm. they sculpted, obviously. 
mm-hmm. uh, here, the dickhead. And that yeah. looks amazingly well done, actually. And it blends with, uh, you know, Elvis's real skin because you see his real face as he talks, like his real moustache <laughs> and all of that. It's not, uh, it's not like yeah. a mask. Um, <laughs> It's not hard to find reference material, of course. Like the, we all know what they look like, but they still do. It's it looks so well. It doesn't look cheesy, Joshua. No, that's no, the thing. No. I, they are to be commended for the reaction. I think by the guys seems so genuine when they see him because they start laughing. <laughs> look at <laughs> you, you're a dick. Good friends, you know. <laughs> That's that's how he gains the respect of the guys. And uh, what, what happens later when... Uh, because they witness this uh, wizard fight in the, in the woods, which includes uh, Julie Lee. I don't know if you spotted uh, Julie Lee. Oh, um, I did. You, you did. I've seen those boobs on her face so much. <laughs> I can't, can't get away from them. I was looking for a fist or an egg or eels or something like that, you no, know. No, this time her head came off. That was the most uh, sort of outrageous thing that happened. They, they, they watch this sort of wizard fight, and um, you mentioned one of your favorite bits when uh, they react in a scared way, and when Elvis Choi reacts in a scared way, that a bit you like. So what happens when Elvis Choi re- re- reacts in a fearful way? So to set the tone, like set the scene up, they uh, Ben had told them, he says, okay, you guys can't leave tonight because I'm expecting to do battle with a couple of other wizard witches. And uh, so, you know, they're like, fuck, they got to stay. And then sure enough, Julie Lee and uh, didn't, I don't remember who the other actor was. Yeah, so the, it, these two, you know, supernatural forces show up and uh, they start uh, basically doing battle, like typical, you know, wuxia moves, people flying through the air, throwing, you know, wind at each other and things like that. And uh, during this, <laughs> Elvis Choi gets so scared that uh, a little bit of pee-pee starts flying out the top of his head. <laughs> on the top of his head as well. And it, because it's a, such a big, it's a bigger than a normal dick, obviously, there, there's quite a lot of fluids coming out. Like, no, not a stream, yeah. but, you know, a good amount. Because the hole is on top of his head is about the size of a hose pipe, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it's done in, in a way that it just looks like, you know, just a little sprinkle, but, you know, the hole's so big that it shoots out. And uh, he's just trying. He kind of like tries to cover it up. You could see he's just like, oh, don't look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pee myself. Yeah, I know. And then, and then, like even better, like when Julie Lee uh, starts fighting, of course, her clothes start coming off. The script, the script didn't call for it. She did it anyway. Yeah. So Elvis, of course, starts massaging his neck in a very very, uh, obvious fashion. It's a it's a cut, dickhead though. So it's a, yeah. uh, so that's the detail that went with as well. So it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's inspiring. So well done, the makeup department. That was that was wonderful. And so, but but the Sam Raimi influence still ex- extends to other portions of this scene. Like uh, Julie Lee's severed head, like comes flying on in in the air and then hits Bobby Owl's crotch as well. Like probably open mouth and onto his onto his crotch. So those kind of like boom boom things that that are comedic despite being you know essentially horror moments and gore moments work quite well and it, I, I think that was the point where i made okay i can see a little bit of sam raimi in here um in terms of the, the comedy furthermore uh, as we go through the movie we won't spoil the any but uh, there are some creative spells uh in uh, in the subsequent parts of the movie the revenge part of the movie as uh, ben um, has to revenge his uh, sister and uh, there are some creative ways to depict the spells, both um, 
dramatically as drama because we don't see uh, the result of each and every spell. Like the impotency spell, we don't see too much of. Like Chan Kwok Bong, you know, goes from soft and hard, soft and hard, and his girlfriend gets uh, frustrated. So she thinks he's cheating on him. Yeah, but but even that, even though that's not on screen, I think Cash Chin still continues to hold this uh, grasp of uh, of spell. And uh, uh, but obviously we get the uh, the sort of hungry ghost or the endless appetite spell, which I think is wonderful. Except that the bit where he starts chewing on other restaurant patrons, I thought that was like too underplayed because the woman that he starts chewing on, that he walks up to, <sighs> she doesn't react in like, ah, my God, are you? Yeah. She, yeah, she like sort of just takes it. Ah, my finger is gone now. This guy just bit me. But the, the the final tally of the scene where you see him, and he's started to eat his own arm mm-hmm. as he sits there and just continues to chow down. I love that. And it's one of them. It's one of those things that I like, you know, that just really shows how fast this movie moves. Cause like any other movie, I think the the person would get hit with that. And we would get more of them, like, probably ordering everything in the restaurant. You know, I gotta have this. Give me more food. More food. You know, him eating all his plate, his girlfriend's plate, you know, eating food off other trays and stuff. You would get more of that. And then finally he would become cannibalistic. But in this movie, it's like, he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. As he's, like, already eating a good bit, you know. And he just pours the rest of his food in his mouth, and then he goes attacking people and eating their hands. And... It's, it's over pretty quickly, and right. but, but indeed it doesn't uh, become uh, incoherent because of it. I think it's no. uh, it's a wonderful, wonderfully wise choice to just boom, 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 and uh, all these like f- like flashes and undercranks that continues to be cash chins bread and butter. I think works. Uh, to to his advantage, I mean, there's a latter scene with where Elvis Choi is protected by spells, but in the end he gets out of that protective uh, little cage, and then he gets all these pins in him, and that whole thrashing about as he gets the pin in him, it is is another example of Cash Chin just working his camera and the, his DOP obviously, and these uh, like flashes that are added afterwards and the editing. Other directors would have just kind of shot that and hoped for the best, but he he wants to go for something that goes boom all the way to post-production and uh, is felt in the end, and I think it works uh, quite well. You know, all these black magic type of movies, they've been around. I mean, there's Shaw Brothers movies and black magic, yeah, and a lot of these sorcery movies in the 80s, but it was the 90s, really, and, and, and filmmakers like Cash Chin that took advantage of uh, an elevated technical know-how and a cinema that started to thrive a little bit more on type of uh, this type of undercranked frenzy. It's a nice sort of representation of how these kind of spell hex black magic movies could feel in the 90s. In the 80s they were sort of, yeah, they could be a little bit disgusting but uh, not frenzied like this. Black Magic, the movie at Shaw Brothers, I mean it's fun but it's certainly 70s in style and uh, not made in this uh, type of, you know, you, you you can almost think uh, to a director like Nam Night Shaw, who made Seventh Curse and The Cat and Story of Ricky, which was some of them were in the 80s. Like, these kind of filmmakers were were rare. And, uh, you know, the guy who made Black Magic, he didn't really have that in him. And Shaw Brothers didn't really make movies like that at that point. Still a good, fun movie, Black Magic. Uh, but it ends in a laser war fight, which is kind of lame. Like, pew, 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 pew. It's fun enough, but uh, I think uh, the likes of, you know, when Seventh Curse came around and, and that filmmaker 
we got a different kind of Hong Kong cinema that I personally like like more when it's uh, that uh, sort of uh, fast paced and insane. So I do not have any other notes. I'll, I'll just say this, and you can talk of whatever you like from the finale. So I'll uh, I, I wrote in my notes like how do you get around oral sex in a softcore movie, but you want to make it graphic? You make it invisible, of course. <laughs> so the finale could go either way for viewers, I think, because the finale is kind of, as shot anyway, it must have been so lame to shoot, because there's a lot of solo stuff for the actors to do without anyone there. Yeah. You know, Ben Um is just standing there, <laughs> in his own room. and Ellen Ch- his hips. Exactly. Uh, and Ellen Chan is uh, just sort of uh, mimicking, uh, you know, blowing this invisible force. But, uh, you know, I have no real complaints other than that uh, I, I, I sympathize for, for the poor actors who just had, had to act against nothing for by herself and just catch Chin and the two crew in the room. So, so big ups for her for, um, for, for doing that. But uh, uh, what do you want to say in general about the, the finale? Do you have any favorite moments as, as such? I think my favorite moment is the very end, which I don't want to spoil for people, but let's just say the movie ends on an ominous laugh. <laughs> And I, I, do, I do enjoy that. It's a little cheesy. It's a little kind of, you know, you expect it, but it, it's still, to me, it, the payoff is good. I like it. They do uh, experiment a little bit with CGI here because mm-hmm. uh, you see um, he is invisible. Yes, Ben Um as uh, this. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The Predator uh, v- vision. You're talking about, huh? Yeah, it, it could be. A, it reminded me a little bit about Predator, but they don't place it on the screen for too long. Right. And that makes it work a little bit more, I think, uh, rather than like a still shot of this mm-hmm. low budget CGI, uh, like uh, Hollow Man style, or, or, or like uh, think the Abyss, like the water effects right. of the Abyss. It kind of looked like that, only a human. Uh, I agree. Like the few seconds it's on there, you can kind of make out that maybe the shaping isn't exactly right for a human, but it's so quick that you know it. You you get the gist of the effect, but you don't actually you know have time to sit there and focus on it and see what's wrong with it. Yeah, and I think that's the wiser choice to just sort uh-huh. of you you the idea is planted quite well and we uh, we get it and um, I I think it's sufficiently made. Uh, I didn't expect it for this kind of movie to venture into CGI, mind you. No, no, but it's it's welcome, you know, especially when it's not po- so poorly done, you know, and shoved in your face. The kind of mimicking of blowjob it seems a little bit lame, but still, it's um, she, you know she she does it well enough. I mean, it's a, such a thankless role, really, to do that for the ending and all of that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no real downfalls of this movie. I'd say it's a uh, pretty pretty spot on. I think uh, it does what it wants to wants to seemingly. I, I didn't spot many cuts. It's the first invisible blowjob we'll talk about today. <laughs> yeah. I suppose so, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, I um, I liked that you liked it. And uh, he says, one of those movies, like, yeah, man, he's got to like it. I mean, it's up his alley. It's, it's so much fun. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? I mean, you said, right. I thought you said, nah. But uh, it was like, no. Mm, nah, it's a good, mm-hmm. spicy, mm-hmm. good, it's a spicy, spicy meatball. meatball and eating my own arm. And that's a good, <laughs> a spicy as well. <laughs> that's a good a human flesh. <laughs> Eating my bomb. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Didn't make sense in that other movie either. <laughs> hey, turn the tape on. I want to watch that. Come on. <laughs> watch it, bro. Surf's up. 
<laughs> like that's not how you dub it, right? I mean, we need to dub him. They need to be a little bit more American. Why? Why I can dub it like that? He's Italian American. It's okay. And why, and why are you even doing that accent? I don't know. I'm method actor. Uh, okay, as for availability, uh, Maya handled the Hong Kong rights, but uh, their DVD is unfortunately unfortunately out of print currently. It was uh, from essentially the Laserdisc put onto the, onto the DVD. Looked good, mind you, but uh, still they didn't do any any flashy DVD edition. Also out of print is a US pressing by Tai Seng, uh, but th- this was the same as the Maya. They didn't do a new like transfer, a new subtitles or anything. Used prices, uh, unfortunately, not that reasonable considering. It's not a special edition or anything, so if you go to Amazon's marketplace, the the prices for the Eternal Evil of Asia DVD, it's uh, quite high. It was, for a while, I don't know if it's still, uh, like the same print, but it was on US Netflix. Uh, but I don't know really? if it's still, yeah, it was. Like, I, I saw it, it's like years ago now, it might be off now. Yeah. But I watched it like, oh my god, what's the version? Oh, it's the same, like, burned in subtitles thing, but hey, cool. Eternally, Eternal Evil of Asia is on there, so... Uh, Try to find a reasonably priced DVD or try to see it some other way online first rather than pay like 50, 60, 70 US dollars for like a bare bonus thing. Yeah. It's not It's not really uh, something I'd recommend. Um, but like I, I pay sometimes for rare stuff, but it needs to be somewhat substantial. It's like I always say, eat my bomb. Amazon Marketplace, take that! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, buddy, let's take a short break, and uh, therefore, uh, after the break, uh, we venture into the Chinese torture chamber story by reviewing and discussing that very movie called A Chinese Torture Chamber Story. This should play into the, like, sort of the history of the internet, uh, because pre-YouTube, this movie was kind of around, at least in clip form. Kazaa, Sheraza, Bear, Sher... And even if people didn't know what the movie was, it uh, sort of uh, it made the rounds a little bit. Uh, so uh, I, I'm sure we will discuss that history because uh, that's how I became aware of it, and then boom, found it. But uh, anyway, we'll take a break and uh, we'll regroup after that. And welcome back in the second movie of this show, and a review that follows is of the movie, a Chinese torture chamber story from 1994, and a plot from the Hong Kong Digital review of the film goes as follows, The Maiden Little Cabbage, played by Yvonne Jung, which is, I don't know if you remember her, but she is the reporter in Don't Stop My Crazy Love For You, that Simon Yam stalks in that movie, she's the reporter. She's the one that shoots his dicky. <laughs> <laughs> How cruel you are! Or Spoiler alert! Ah, whatever. He des- <laughs> he deserved it from frame one, really. <laughs> but uh, Maiden Little Cabbage, played by Yvonne Young, is brought before the local magistrate after she's found covered in blood beside her the dead body of her husband, the character of Got Xu Tai, played by Tommy Wong. Ringo Lam regular Tommy Wong, so you can see him in a bunch of Ringo Lam movies. Flashbacks reveal how Little Cabbage was hired to be a maid in the home of scholar Yang Ni Mu, played by Lawrence Um, and he was Dr. Lam in The Underground Banker. 
after accident, and, and it's the same director of uh, Underground Banker as uh, we got here, after accidentally catching her mistress cheating on the scholar Nim Mu uh, with the evil Lao Hoi Sing, Little Cabbage is married off to the homely Gotsu Tai, whose member is so huge that ejaculation could uh, prove to be fatal to his partners. When Evil Hoi Sang tries to take advantage of Little Cabbage, he is severely beaten by Siu Tai, setting in motion the events that led to the present court case. Flashback structure, uh, is it any acceptable or not? Well, for once, the combination of low humor, low bro humor, and the grueling scenes of uh, this story, the grueling torture cha- uh, chamber scenes, if you will, they blend well together to create and at times completely insane category 3 entry. It's not filled with insane imagery, but instantly memorable ones. So it's an entertaining but grueling one. So what did you think of it yourself? This is the second time I think I've seen this. and uh, It is Rashomon with a rat being uh, drowned in urine. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Should I know? Should I know Rashomon? To know oh, come reference? on! Yeah, yeah well, you, you have never seen it. it's the uh, Akira Kurosawa. I, I know it's out now in like a new restoration, so I, re- so I really should. But no, I'm, 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 I'm still like for for Japanese movies, like, like, like fuck Chinese torture chamber for a minute. Like, oh. For Japanese movies, <laughs> I still like to explore like the exploitation of violent stuff uh, first. Oh. Like, I'm into. You know, I'm watching some Gosha movies right now for the show, and that obviously is a mixture of you know regular samurai movies but there but still you know some violent stuff in there but I, I like stuff like hands of a race or lone wolf and cub and you know lady snowblood you know that kind of thing and i i take kurosawa slowly but surely because i know his movies will always be out there you know you know i, I think i've only seen seven samurai that's the only his one of his movies man i've seen i think anyway you know his movies are often very plot focused and you know they're just good stories half the time and Rashomon it's basically that the old cliche of like you know a crime or something like that committed and uh you know it's multiple people telling their versions of stories basically um you know kind of fits for this movie not exactly but you know <laughs> except the big member that wasn't in Rashomon but yeah well, it's kind of the same otherwise I think there might have been a two foot penis in the movie I can't remember but you know, it was either that or uh, maybe like uh, ejaculation against a gong. I can't remember. One of those two things popped up in Rashomon. I'll, I'll leave it up to the listeners to yeah, tell we'll, us. We'll uh, we'll see what the 4K restoration of uh, Rashomon reveals. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, I, like me, me and Samurai I was like I, I watch a fair amount of them, but I I like hit other ones like sort of doom love sort of doom harakiri mm-hmm. love harakiri the not the remake but the old one and they like mm-hmm. the M- mushashi miyamoto trilogy or toshiro yeah. mifuni great stuff and uh kurshava I'll, I'll hit upon his filmography eventually you know I, i'm nothing against him but it's one of those like I, I can take my time because criterion never loses the rights of those they've held them for decades no. so they're gonna be out there you can purchase them for the low, low price of fucking fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, you you get what you pay for, though, in my opinion. Or you get Hulu and just watch the Criterion Collection on Hulu. Exactly. So. Yeah. You know, I've had Hulu, and it's like fuck. I haven't watched one Criterion movie on there yet, but I've purchased like four or five discs in the meantime. You know. Well, well, you know what? You know what? Hulu is good too. Like they have the Criterion Collection holds movies there that never got to disc. 
right? Like there's more Hideo Gosha movies on there that are not released on disc, but it's in the collection. So it's uh, like the Kurosawa stuff. It's going to end up on disc. but right. uh, So it's more expanded than uh, what's uh, on physical media. So I think it's uh, a good deal. This uh, was not brought by Hulu, this message, but uh, I like the service anyway. Their print of uh, a Chinese uh, torture chamber story was fantastic, though, I gotta say. If they had it, then they should have it, really. I mean, it was released in the US on disc, so some streaming service might have picked it up at some point. But uh, regardless, let's get back to it. It's amazing to me. Once Hong Kong filmmakers settled into a genre and a style of filmmaking, whether these movies, action movies, any genre... It was almost by default that they executed well, especially in the 90s. But, of course, you need amazing technicians. You need everybody tuned into a pace and a style and a know-how how to execute. So, you need a crew that's uh, that, that's got the goods, that are sitting on the goods. You need filmmakers, producers, and writers. And they all need to bring something. They can't just show up and expect an exploitation movie like this to just work by just uh, featuring the elements. You need to execute Technically, and this movie is all across the board about executing technically, you know, whether talking action or uh, how to convey the violence and all of that. And uh, I gotta tell you, Joshua, it will never be this frenzied again. That there's, uh, oh. we get some filmmakers taking a peek uh, about the surface, like Cash Chin with the 33 D Invader, and Three uh, D Sex and Sen had its moments, of course. Uh, the Wong Jing still can do well, even when he doesn't do Category 3. We talked about flirting in the air. So there are there is room for wacky parody and adult energy, but here's the key, Joshua. You gotta commit to it even more nowadays, because you can't... There's so few doing it. But back right. in the 90s, it kind of... They were also tuned into it. They could execute on a more constant level. And I, I think you gotta keep that in mind when looking at this movie, A Chinese Torture Chamber Story, that it brings it technically it's not a low budget sort of desperate to please exploitation movie that features messed up shit like you know i don't know if we're just uh if we're getting older or what well, we are you, but yeah you know it's like you had all these different crazes and stuff like that during the 80s 90s of exploitation cinema and stuff and like these days I mean, there's still some stuff that exists. I mean, the late 2000s we had in, in Japan had all the body modification, like uh, targeted towards American viewers, uh, like movies like uh, The Machine Gun Girl or whatever. Oh, you mean that? Uh, I thought you were talking like some underground stuff with body modification. Like, now I got you. Now I got you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like all, you know, body modification horror, basically. Yes, yes, yes. Stuff like that, you know, or like, you know, some of the Japanese stuff, like intent to just be. Over the top. What was the um... Machine Girl, Tokyo Gore Police, things like yeah, that. Yeah, the uh, Meatball no, Machine was something. Oh something. yeah, yeah. Which I, I do. And, you know, a lot of those movies I do really enjoy and stuff. And and things have gotten progressively kind of worse with all that. You know, and that that's a different type of thing. But you know, you watch those movies, and half the time they don't have much, you know, of a soul or a brain to them whatsoever. You know, and like, and it's just got progressively worse to the point where it's like you don't even—I don't have no interest in watching them anymore, kind of thing. You know, you know, were they trying too hard? Is that it, or they didn't have the goods? No, no, no. I'm asking you if you look at newer movies, like, like were they trying too hard in the new millennium to please, or they, they just didn't have the goods as filmmakers and producers to deliver? Well, I mean, most of these movies are for the budget that they're being made on. They're they're technically well made, you know, and that, like as far as like. 
the technical aspects of it. The writing's terrible. And uh, there's, you know, vague hints of a story and things like that. But, you know, you have that. And then in America, they have all the, you know, ever since fucking Death Proof and uh, the Grindhouse thing, you've had those type movies. Yeah, that wasn't a that, that wasn't a good byproduct of uh, Grindhouse. Grindhouse was half a good experiment, and uh, and it wasn't Quintin's that was successful. I agree. I <laughs> hate the death proof. <laughs> Me too. Like, you know, it's funny that like I, I see a lot of people that you know they're like, you know, death proof's the the good one or whatever. I'm like, fuck no, it ain't. You know. <laughs> Planet Planet Terror is the only entertaining part of it, yeah. you know. It, you know, it's great to me at least because, like, I watch Death Proof and I'm like, Quentin, please, you're supposed to be making this grindhouse movie. Get over yourself. You, not everybody has to have a fucking monologue. Exactly. I, I felt really like his dialogue too has really went downhill since uh, fucking, well, since Pulp Fiction. Really, I mean, since since he. Like, like, like it's hit and miss with me. Like I watched Inglorious Bastard. Like really liked it, but I haven't watched anything since just because I, I have no interest really. What I'm dying to return to is Jackie Brown because people say that that is awesome, and I don't remember much from Jackie Brown. It's a quite good story, you know. I mean, but it, it's not a game changer to me like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. But more are. interesting because it's an adaptation rather than his thing. You know, so that's what I want to go back to and see how he dealt with an adaptation. You know, I really, really enjoyed Kill Bill when it first came out because I was I was so into, you know, Hong Kong cinema and martial arts at the time. Like, oh, I'm so happy to see all these things on the screen that I recognize. But, like, these days I'm like, man, if I never watch Kill Bill again, I guess I'll be fine. I wonder you if know? it holds up that sort of, like, reference everywhere type of cinema because I did enjoy it even, even too. Yeah, and when that movie came out, you know, uh, it was the first time I thought it was really hearing Quentin dialogue that I didn't think was very good, you know? Mm. Like, I was like, this really doesn't seem to fit with it. I mean, really, honestly, silly rabbit tricks are for kids. We, 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 when I hear that, I hear Green Jelly for some reason because there's uh, they, they, they reference... Like, like what, what is that from originally? Because Green Jelly kind of... Uh, uh, In America, there's a, uh, a cereal called... Uh, shit, what the fuck is it? Yeah, yeah, because there, there, there's like a, a song on that serial killer album, like "Silly Rabbit Tricks Are for Kids," <laughs> and I, I, I think it's the song about the shit man on the serial killer uh, album. <laughs> yeah, green jelly people. I recall back in the nineties, <laughs> what they used to have, like you know, Metal Maniacs magazine and stuff like that. You know, heavy metal magazines. You'd sit there and you'd look in the back, and they'd all had always have T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, and they'd have like you know vulgar and offensive T-shirts and everything. And I just always remember the the one that said, uh, "Oh man, I don't even know if I should say it." No, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> we'll say, uh, yeah, because this is silly, a word that rhymes with maggot. Oh, dicks are for chicks. Oh. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> Even back then, you <laughs> shouldn't really wear that out and about, you know, in any country. <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, Mom, can I get the t-shirt that says... <laughs> and then, uh, of course, they'd have the ones that were like, fuck you, you fucking fuck. And uh, that would be a t-shirt you could order. And, of course, plenty of, you know, uh, upside-down crosses and shit like that. But, uh, well, uh, there, there wasn't uh, any uh, t-shirts with like a montage of all the different Qing Dynasty uh, torture 
styles like, like the movie opens you know essentially introducing the punishments castration <laughs> and you know you get like chop and then you get like this uh, penis in a bowl cock in a bowl even if it's off screen like the results are pretty spot on like ew that's a that's a pretty big dick too <laughs> i mean really i own soft too i guess but but it's like it opens in this as wacky as this movie is partly it opens on this like darkened sound stage it's a very moody thing and the cam and the sort of torture things they spin as well like they're on this sort of display and and even uh, one torture uh, method is they don't show this in the movie where they they slice your skull open and pour whatever they do into it and then you jump out of your skin essentially which is something they did in the movie Last Breath, which is a, a, sort of a Taiwanese co-production. It has different versions all over the world. Some versions have multiple scenes with um, the guy who played Flash Gordon. I'm forgetting his name now. The blonde guy? That, that, that was so... Uh, Sam Jones was his name. That's it, yeah. So, But they did it so much better in, in Last Breath. But it's uh, one of those like, whoa, this movie is either making all that stuff up or channeling something from history books uh, from you know cruel torture methods from the Qing dynasty and uh, you know it doesn't really matter because it doesn't offend anyone by depicting the going-ons of the dynasty in this way you just sort of become a little bit curious I guess but uh, then the movie starts to move on and uh, starts to become what it is which is this mix of dark and very light and I, I guess I got asked because I asked you before how does that mixture feel this time around? Being so grueling and with cruel torture, some of it's very censored, versus, you know, some wacka wacka humor here. <laughs> That's a good description. Uh, I don't know. It, it's hit or miss, but, like, when when I look at the movie, I look at it on a, as a whole. And uh, I don't know. It's, it has an, it's an experience, the movie is. You know, there's a, there's a point A and a point B, you know, and you have to travel along it to get there. And I think overall, despite the wild fluctuations and everything that it is, I think it's just something that's going to stick out in your memory, you know? The first time I watched this, I don't know how long it's been because I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm like, okay, fuck, I know, I know this, but like what happens? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, you know, like I forgot a lot of little things, but like just – the things that obviously stick out stick out you know oh yeah they certainly do and it it gets quickly into this horrible treatment of uh, little cabbage as her name is uh, translated as they start to torture her the the effects work is generally strong because mm-hmm. uh, you see uh, the initial torture is her her fingers are being like s- s- squeezed and they, you know yeah. you, you have this quick cut to a finger insert in this pointy like uh, clamp with uh, yeah. like uh, pointy edges and I think that that, uh, that gets the job done it's not like we cut to an obvious rubber thing like I love story of Ricky to a point but it's a lot of rubber in that movie <laughs> you know what I mean so uh, but but here it's because they they don't do it wall to wall they the effect is a little bit a uh, little bit better and uh, some of it is as I've said really grueling and cruel uh, like you read about uh, and it's also by the way I, I read a tidbit that this was uh, it, it's a good looking movie well costumed good looking well shot apparently was shot on sets constructed for the Wong Jing comedy starring Stephen Chow called Hail the Judge 
which fits totally because he plays that character he plays the judge but it's a, it's a comedy it's not a torture movie or anything so um, but but they are the kind of set standard sets that you'd find in these movies anyway so it's not inconceivable that there would be a standing set somewhere in Hong Kong that would fit this movie's uh, needs but uh, I think uh, Wong Jing was uh, being economic by planning to shoot uh, or making sure he shot another movie before the set was potentially um, uh, potentially destroyed and something else was built. Comedy, 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 comedy. Um, represented in quite a lot of scenes by, again, Joshua, the floor is soon yours, by your movie wife, your movie girlfriend. I emphasize movie. Kingdom <laughs> Yoon, who is, has a fair amount of scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. But is she dramatic? Is she uh, appearing in poignant dramatic scenes, having extended monologues that are very heartfelt? Mm-hmm. Or does she burst into screen doing something else, Joshua? So the floor is yours. What's your notes on Kingdom Yun? You know, it depends on what you consider drama. Like, uh, you know, do you consider it very dramatic to have uh, a sequence with her trying to have an old-timey breast enhancement by taking, you know, uh, bowls with fire <laughs> wicks inside of them <laughs> and attaching them to, uh, you know, the chest? If that's drama, then... This woman's going to win an Oscar. It's, it's it, To compete in this world, you need a bigger bust, according to her, anyway. <laughs> Poor Kingdom. She, she, all she wants to do is get laid throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a, she steals the show. She really does, yeah. because she is such a fucking force. Like, again, she comes onto the screen, like, if you could see me, I have my hands out, and like, hey, 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 I'm here, let's get the party started. <laughs> And it's sort of like she does, she is a bit of a hurricane and amazingly enough, not grating. Oh, what do you think? Oh, no, yeah, she's, she's, I think she's awesome, man. Uh, you know, and it's kind of funny, like, um, the both times at least I remember watching this, you know, it's always kind of surprised me because when we're first introduced to, like, the scholar at the beginning who's on trial with Lil Cabbage. You know, you meet him, and he seems like this very stoic character. You know, mm-hmm. and then in the, and then the, then in the very next, he's introduced to you know to the audience as a foot fetishist. You know, who's who's like ogling uh, little cabbages, baby feet, and going like, <laughs> you know, basically. So it, it's an amazing twist, but like you know, Kingdom Yoon, the second she's on the screen, she's hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka waka. I'm here now. Let's do some tits jokes. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know she she's there for one point and she's you know she's there to deliver that's what she does and the thing is what it what this is this is a little mini movie within the movie starring Kingdom Yoon because she barely interacts with anything that has to do with right. anything it's all about I gotta get bigger boobs and uh, it's a little five ten minute mini movie and you know it. you know we see her in one scene she tries the technique that you show uh, said and then when uh, she I think at one point she has super big boobs, and I think for some reason they accentuate that with effects, like boing, boing, as she walks around, or maybe when the boobs burst or some crap like that. I, yeah. I actually don't remember, but... And balloons. Yeah, exactly. So she she walks around with authority. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then it goes like, waka, waka, so... And, you know, as you said, like it, it, we, we get glimpses uh, within all of this, because uh, I think she's in the scene where they're watching the scholar you know playing his sexual games um with yeah. uh with his uh with his girl his wife or whatever and playing with sex toys and uh you know sex toys of the Qing dynasty the, the the modern toys of that equivalent i suppose including lustful bell 
<laughs> Which is this sort of, kind of harness that uh, Dan, you know, straps onto her and uh, Dan teases her nipples. And, uh, you know, it says in the subtitles, it will stimulate your tits. <laughs> wow. Very, yeah. po- very poetic. So, so yeah, Lawrence, I mean, he was in Sex and Zen as well. He was the leading in Sex and Zen in the original one where he was, he was the one who got the, uh, you know, uh, the dick enhancement and all of that. Um, so uh, he, he's a very game actor and a very good dramatic actor as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, this whole like first uh, 20 minutes or first third or whatever establishes that thing that makes or breaks a Hong Kong cinema fan, I think. And that is like, we're going to pull you in dark, goofy and sexy direct- directions. Are you in? <laughs> and I wouldn't blame anyone for like, no. <laughs> I, I came to watch one movie, not four, and a mini movie, too. Like, I, I, did, I didn't buy my ticket for that, but uh, do, have you encountered that resistance at all, showing people Hong Kong movies, like, not necessarily this one, but showing friends this, and they sort of scratching their head, like, why is there melodrama, comedy, and horror, and a music number in, in, in the middle of the movie as well? Like, have you ever encountered that in your life where they scratch their heads? I've not introduced as many people to Hong Kong cinema, but I mean, I, I remember being initially hesitant to my, it myself, you know, uh, especially like in Kung Fu comedy, especially in like kind of Golden Harvest era stuff like, you know, the the cross-eyed, the wah, you know, and all Sounding that. like this as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember being like, oh man, that's really annoying. You know, to be fair, ninety. 90- seven percent of that stuff is not funny but when it works it works right very, very well most yeah. of the stuff starred jackie chan that worked yeah <laughs> yeah but like you know when you you have to kind of like i don't know you get i guess used to it you get accustomed to it or to the point where either you laugh at it or you just you know whatever you know you just move on to the next thing you know i, I, I always of- bring up recently an example because i i my tolerance for kung fu comedy has I'm not strong anymore, right? So (laughs) I was watching, I think it was Thundering Mantis, which is a a Lung Ayan movie. It was a Lung Ayan movie. And Lung Ayan or Beardy looked like that, like vicious looking Beardy that you're sort of used to when he's uh, looking badass. He's got the beard and he's like, and in the first scene, he's skipping down the street acting like a complete buffoon. And I just said to myself, no, 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 not not, not having this. Not today. Not today. <laughs> because it doesn't work with him. I never saw him as a comic, uh, comic press. No, and so, yeah. so that was like very strange. Like that, that's, um, simply wasn't a good choice. You know, I love him, but uh, not for those kind of roles. So I remember turning it off. I have seen it since then, but when I tried it, I just knew what my 90 minutes was going to be like. Movie was okay. But did have all of those tropes that uh, I, I kind of disliked. But uh, for for the category free stuff, I mean, I, I guess being exploitation fans has something to do with it. Why this craziness is so fun because they can add the adult level on top of it too, right? The the increased graphic level to jokes and also violence. You know, we'll we'll get to obviously Tommy Wong's big dict character i guess <laughs> big member but uh, it, it, it does have somewhat story focus i'd argue though it, even sex gets in there makes its right. way in there but it doesn't just stop with unknown characters banging for five minutes and then true, they unpause the fucking movie i even charlie Cho movies you know the, the low, most low low budget of them they sort of sometimes just stop for five minutes and shoot a, a very poor looking sex scenes in one room and then unpauses the story i think this one doesn't fall into that trap of no there is a reason for all of it you know? mm-hmm. i mean look, you know, look at like uh just the stuff between okay well 
you know, in one sex scene, we find out that, uh, you know, what's his face? It's the scholar's wife is cheating on him. And then in another, we find that, you know, little cabbage, she grows to kind of love, uh, her husband uh, and whatnot, you know, even though she, they're not having penetrative sex, you know, you get that idea. You know, every single one kind of clues you into something, you know. To- totally, and um, you know, you can mix comedy with that because one of my favorite Kingdom Yoon bits is when she acts out to illustrate. Uh, she illustrates how big Tommy Wong's cock is yeah. by acting as a sort of stupid elephant and making animal sounds. <laughs> she goes, she goes down like she holds her nose and then walks around on the floor, and everybody kind of looks at. Okay, we got to deal with this person now. <laughs> okay, she's insane, all right. <laughs> she was big tits, and uh, this is how she acts, acts as well. And, 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 and at some point in that sex scene that they sort of peek in at, like, the be- like there's a nipple bite involved in this, and a bed breaks, and there's, there's some wacka-wacka stuff, but it doesn't stall the damn movie, which is... Uh, no. Let's talk about Tommy Wong. Did, did, did you recognize him in general? Like, oh, I've seen that guy before. Yeah. I feel like I've seen him before. Yeah, yeah like if you've seen City on Fire and a couple of Ringo Lamb movies, he's in there and a very good. Oh actor. yeah, 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 yeah. His fucked up teeth. Yeah, yeah, very much. But <laughs> he's he's a wonderful com- comedic actor, dramatic actor, scary as hell as well. Uh, and he has his uh, here. He's uh, he's very sweet, and uh, <laughs> he is actually he's a very kind guy. <laughs> no, uh, but like when he's first introduced, you don't get that. Opinion. No, exactly. That's <laughs> the key thing. Though, that they sort of he, he comes off as a very scary character and a forceful character, and he's got the dick to be forceful as well. And um, it's a low joke. He's got a big penis, but they they do their utmost to sort of well, we gotta depict it. Right, this is very serious, you know. Can you imagine how do they, you know? <laughs> and now I remember the sort of rat, uh, rat thing too, because uh-huh. uh, in in that first scene where he pee, where, where he goes to the toilet, for some reason he pees on a rat. Obviously, the, the filmmakers like uh, spurt water on a on a poor rat. So I know they probably killed this thing. It, they were hitting it with a friggin' fire hose, is what it looks like. So so that was uncool, and obviously for, for a character setup, um, especially when it, especially when like. It does, you know, and it kind of reflects poorly upon that character. It makes the character look like this bully and like monster and stuff. But what the filmmakers were going for is like, oh, it shows, you know, how big his penis is. You know, <laughs> but the audience is sitting there watching this poor rat get hammered with a friggin' uh, fire hose. And they're like, oh, God, what a cruel person he is. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but that turns around, doesn't it? Yeah, because he comes across as a real sweetheart. Yeah, because he, when she's been married off, um, he uh, like the, the looming, uh, the looming uh, sexual act to consummate the marriage. He doesn't. Uh, he seems like an ass, but just, he doesn't jump on little cabbage. He right. sort of like whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, I won't because I I know myself. Yeah. Like this won't work. Like my penis will essentially cut, like shoot out of your eyeball if we try to have sex. <laughs> right? <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that that thing is big. Yeah. So, uh, it, but it's it's a great sight gag for some damn reason. I think it's quite funny, and it is a garden hose indeed. I mean, it's not like uh, John Holmes size. It's like seven or eight times his size, something like that. Probably like uh, two fire hydrants on top of each other. I guess would probably be. You know, did they depict their relationship throughout? I mean, we know he dies, uh, but we, they depict that as sweet. I mean, does the movie earn that being sweet amidst this this imagery? I do. I mean, after that initial, like when you first seen, you know, killing a poor animal, you know, it doesn't seem like uh, the nicest guy. But you know, 
and it's so bizarre, like how they do it too, because it shouldn't work, but for me it does somehow. Like the you know that that sequence where oh I'm not going to have sex, and she's like uh, you know basically get away from me you animal. So he goes outside and starts whacking off, and this you know between the music starts playing as she's watching him and she's like oh you know it's <laughs> sweet he's coming he wants to come yeah. <laughs> you know i mean really that that makes no sense to me that but some reason i'm sitting there going like yeah okay you know i'll accept it all right and and furthermore as uh it goes into um like this is such a not timely parody but Wong Jing, who uh, produced this, and I'm going to check if he did uh, write the script or not. Uh, he, he did it, but he, he did produce it. They decided to go for the ghost parody. What I mean by ghost parody, they, the par- music. they, they parody the 1990 Patrick Swayze movie Ghost and the uh-huh. po- pottery making sequence. But it, it's in feel, it's a parody because of the music, yes. But it isn't them making pottery. It, it's about uh, she helping her husband in a sweet way to relieve himself and not pee but to masturbate and uh, it's the dedication to the mood of this is what just makes me smile i think it's super funny that yeah oh there we go in there it's ghost but with a <laughs> huge 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 cum joke looming <laughs> oh boy <laughs> here we go there's no spinning there's no making pottery as i said it's just, uh, it's just that. But the mood they set up, man, it's it's not heartfelt, obviously, but it's just like, wow, they're going there. My God, I I dig it. The ghost music, the remix, uh, which I can't remember the name of the... Uh... No, no, me neither. I hear it in my head, but I don't know who did it. If they did it for the movie, or if it's an old song, I don't know. But they kind of redid it in like this typical Chinese-like fashion. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, I don't know. It keeps them from getting sued, I think. Yeah, I, I think that would be fairly risky because it's such a... The, the sequence is definitely that that's ghost. That's ghost. It's totally ghost. Yeah. And, uh, and and for some reason, because he's so uh, extra enhanced, for some reason, the censors didn't mind that they depict a huge, huge uh, sequence where we see his load hit a big gong. Yeah. You know. Because it's not really real. I think they were more sensitive to that stuff when it was depicted in a realistic fashion. There are some movies where that stuff is cut. But here it's cartoony because there's so much cum hitting that joke. Uh, jo- uh, gong. <laughs> gong. <laughs> <laughs> and he shouts as well. Like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, it does ghost. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's what it is. Uh, that scene didn't make the internet uh, pre-YouTube as such. But what scene Joshua made... Like it was spread on the internet through other type of sharing services before this movie was truly known and came out on DVD. Yeah. Uh, because we haven't mentioned that Elvis Choi and Julie Lee is in this movie. So, w- what notes do you have on their introductory sequence? I think everybody's seen it by now, huh? They have to have. I mean, Break.com, Kazaa, Sherazaa. It even reached uh, me, and someone asked me, like, what, do you know where this is from? And I, I think I. I kind of figured it out because I, after some research based on the little info there was on the internet like 16 years ago or whatever, um, Hong Kong Movie Database wasn't as like info-filled as it is now. But, but because I recognize Elvis Choi and I think we just simply took a chance on like, yeah, we find some found something called a Chinese torture chamber story. Maybe that fits the period. 
and it's an adult yeah. movie. And as a matter of fact, we were right, and we got to see uh, we got to see it on DVD. But so, so I did spot it. But what it is, Joshua, is uh, essentially Once Upon a China. But if people, but if people were fucking instead, right? You know, a bunch of people like flying through the air and calling out their next move, which turns out to be a sexual position. <laughs> What have you? Do you have any of the names written down? Because I, no, I, I did it because it's uh, sort of uh, it's an, it's a discovery and it's uh, uh, on its own. I think yes, but uh, it it happens when Lawrence and another character they walk in the forest and they spot these warriors and they're, oh my god! And uh, you got the Wong Fei Hong music on there, ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> and you see Elvis Choi, Julie Lee, and stuntmen or women. In this quick cut, but well conveyed back and forth between stuntmen and actors. And despite being this quickly cut and frenzied sort of as edited sequence, it's great. I mean, they're not fighting, Joshua, they're fucking. And that makes it (laughs) even better, of course. But the thing is, it needs to be made technically as an action scene. Because uh, we got wires and you got to edit in a way that corresponds to these kind of scenes you've seen in various Jet Li movies, if you will, you know, Once Upon a Time in China. But it's it's fucking. It's for adults. And it's so well conveyed. You could probably find the clip so easily just searching, like, Kung Fu Sex or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it used to be titled back in the day. Pretty sure that's what they used to call it, but... You, you've seen your share of, like, 90s Kung Fu movies, so you must have recognized that it's made exactly the same. Only with, only with this content instead. Oh yeah, no club foot, but you know, <laughs> only a fucking. But what we what we don't get is like when they do start to have sex with each other. We in in the other movies we didn't get like laser sounds as Elvis Joy <laughs> fucks with her like pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> it's so well done and so bizarre that uh, yeah, and there's no no wonder it became like kind of like the early viral hit that it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It owns that. Um, it's not cheesy bad or anything like a, like, like so like those clips from Turkish movies where the guy dies in slow motion. It's not like that. It is genuinely well made. I mean, the, the only right. t- technique I wrote down, by the way, because I, I love the image, the invincible wheel, where they're finally on ground, <laughs> and Elvis spins on top of her like this uh, fucking wheel of fortune wheel, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he comes, dude, the cum makes sparks. In tree <laughs> when they hit the trees, <laughs> that is wonderful. So yeah, and you know it's so funny that like both of their sequences in the movie, they could have been cut out completely. They're very uh, loosely connected to the plot, indeed. And you know the funny thing is, it's like uh, like later in the movie, you know, spoiler alert, but uh, they had the one scene kind of introducing them, and they said, oh, you know, anytime you need us, you know, they told the scholar. Just call upon us, and we'll be out here in the woods having sex. So, you know, skip forward. He's in jail, you know, and he needs, uh, you know, his crew to make it to, like, uh, the Supreme Court leader, basically. And uh, he tells him to go out in the woods, which leads to a really great Kingdom Yoon joke. But, like, when they show up, they, like, Elvis Choi's like, oh, what do you need us to do? You need us to uh, break him out of jail? And they're like, no, 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 just get us to the city. <laughs> and like so the next cut is them in the city we don't even see elvis Choi and them you know deliver them to the city or anything magical or anything like that so it's like you could have really just 
cut out the part with him telling them to go to the woods. Could have just been like, you know, you must deliver this message. Cut to them delivering the message, you know? Mm -hmm. And yet they decided to go all out with their scenes, uh, you know, uh, technically and spend some time shooting them. I'm sure they were snappy, snappy filmmakers by now being used to creating wire foo. In this case, why fuck? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, you're right. But they they're wonderful together, and uh, I I am fascinated by Julie Lee's sort of more mainstream roles versus her like path as a filmmaker. Have you know we we discussed trilogy of lust, which is so like uh, off the radar and uh, obviously uh, hardcore sex as well. So it's way different than than this. But uh, I love when she appears in regular movies because. It's it's she's a fascinating character, and uh, those contrasts are uh, are quite fun. Uh, so so I'm I'm gonna be fairly brief with my notes, but I'm just gonna mention some 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 highlights just because I love that they got away with so much stuff here. That the, there are cuts in the torture scenes. There there are a couple of scenes where moments where they stick thing, things under fingernails, and um, yeah, that stuff's brutal. And it is there's like a second or two lost there, but that's because I don't think they depicted it fully on screen. But you can hear cuts to those sequences. But did they still get away with uh, sort of supernatural sequences involving again a lot of semen? <laughs> because at one point, <laughs> like yeah, at, as long as it's supernatural, like go for it, like spray as much on screen as you like. Because at one point, like the evil Lao Hoisin character is uh, you know trying to get to Little Cabbage and he's invisible and. And Tommy Wong's character is trying to protect her, and he accidentally sucks his cock, and then uh, he comes, <laughs> he he comes in his mouth, and he spits a lot of cum out, like. Yeah. So, for for comedy, senses are all right, seemingly, because I just watched that. Oh my god, there's so much filthy stuff on screen here, man. But it's it's how Hong Kong senses apparently work. And and they're all game, man. They're all game. I mean, uh, like the likes of Tommy Wong and. Uh, and all of that. So, but uh, I, I, I get also fascinated that uh, Bosco Lambert director. And this was his first movie, I believe. Maybe for a few movies here, there was th- this tandem with Wong Jing was sort of a, a, a creatively fulfilling uh, tandem because they were clearly able to elevate and make quotable category free entertainment. Mm-hmm. In this case, the underground banker, which we discussed, which is violent and inspiring, with having the Doctor Lamb character live next door to Anthony Wong and all of that. So, yeah. Uh, so, and, and it's certainly I you you've seen the sort of the best and the worst, I think, in this series of category three movies, and you, I think, you realize that so you can clearly single out the movies that do it better and yeah. makes more quotable entertainment. And I think a Chinese torture chamber story represents that uh, quite well even if it's not my favorite 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 or anything but uh, i i think it's you can see you can differentiate between production lowering sort of a intent and uh, skill type of productions even though they did start charlie chose some of them uh, because some because some were just shot at stupid boring houses man but here yeah. it's like a proper production this and even like like your bio charlie included that that he said, like, oh, I was there for like a couple of days, shot my scenes at this house, and and then moved <laughs> on to some other stuff. Like, no, no, like uh, added uh, uh, added glamour behind that. No. Uh, but he did a couple of good, like, very playful in- movies. Um, uh, Bosco Lam. I remember the movie Dream Lover. It's hard to explain it now, but uh, it, it was a very unique sort of genre bender. Dream Lover. It's actually it was made twice that year. 
yeah, with the, like the same movie was made twice essentially, <laughs> uh, which was an experiment. Uh, like one movie starred Lao Ching Wan, and it was the same plot, and one movie, this one, Dream Lover, starred uh, Tony Langafai. I like that experiment. Same producer. So it seems like she, okay, we're going to make it twice, see which one works. I remember, I like, I like Dream Lover more, but uh, it's kind of a wild story. But uh, yeah, th- these first few movies are not bad. Um, Spike Drink Gang, uh, now a Category 3 movie he made. That was, Elvis Choice great in it, but uh, that was kind of uh, running on empty. But uh, maybe we'll get to that at some point. Any other highlights from uh, some of the latter parts of the movie that you want to just uh, bring out, whether brutal or comedic? Plenty of torture in this movie, for sure. You know, people's legs being crushed. Lots of stuff getting stuck underneath fingernails. Fingernails getting pulled out. Riding friggin' wooden uh, donkeys or whatever with dildos sticking out of it going up and down as they progress down the street. Well, many reasons to see the movie. Many reasons. I mean, it it does um, want to be serious and dramatic in order to sort of create justice uh, for the characters but i wonder though the 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 cut to the one of the characters getting a she's getting a, an audience with uh, these government officials that she wants them to investigate the corruption behind the magistrate the only way they'll do that is if she shows sincerity by rolling on a bed of nails in the nude yeah that that seemed like just a bunch of creepy old guys like, uh, we'll do it if you do that. And then they're probably sitting there, like, under the table going, dong, 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 dong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, it's, like, historical accuracy? Okay, well, like, what probably happened was they, they, the guys in the movie, they, the characters, they probably uh, trying to find any way to get off. So, like, this job is so boring. So, let's, if someone ever wants us to investigate corruption, we'll totally ask her to do that. <laughs> But but yeah, I, I fairly recommend it. I mean, it it, it goes um, it goes to those like insane places, even for the finale when Gotsuyutai does die. You know, we see the entire sequence and uh, when he's hopped up on this uh, this aphrodisiac, and uh, and it is oddly very sweet. Uh, you know, I, I love that by the way when he when he gets all mad uh, when he's been spiked uh, with that. In you know when uh, when he breathes uh, smoke out of his mouth, you know. Yeah, yeah. I also like that. There's a lot of sequences where like he stands in front of a table and lifts it up with his penis. Happens a lot in this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a very very mature angle of the movie. <laughs> he reads the Chinese Kama Sutra essentially, and then that and the table elevates because of that because uh, he's got the power, dude. And he did it during the anger scene too, like as he stands up from the table after drinking the soup and whatever. So it's all kind of like emotional madness here and all so many threads, but somehow it all coheres into such a fun time and uh, not badly made either. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously Kingdom Yun ends the movie with uh, so her breasts pop by the end of the movie and they <coughs> intercut that with a romantic, romantic sort of uh, kissing behind curtains kind of thing. So... The movie needs to have, like, I, hey, 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 I'm back for the ending. Hey, hey, hey. Waka, <laughs> waka, waka, waka. <laughs> so her, her big breasts that she's now proud of, they pop. If they could have just had some gore in that scene, too, they'd have had everything. <laughs> exactly. You know? But yeah, uh, this is a recommendation. If you can't take it, it's not, it's not an easy, to wa- easy watch in terms of the graphic violence at points. But uh, if you pursue category three movies and if you've seen your fair share of uh, gore movies from elsewhere, it's not, uh, it's not like 
Serbian films, gory or anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that disturbing, but um, the, the torture stuff, uh, especially the fingernail stuff, is gonna it's gonna get to you, but uh, because it's well made. So as for availability, uh, same dealio currently as with Eternal Evil of Asia. The Hong Kong DVD from Universe is out of print, and as is the remastered US DVD, unfortunately, uh, by Discotech Media. And used prices for this is uh, it's outrageous, close to a hundred bucks. They did well on the DVD. They they had a remastered print, and they translated the movie, but they also kept the old subtitles because people like them, sadistic fucks like you and I. Yeah. But but the old translation isn't bad, to be honest. It's uh, for grammatically, it's quite strong considering the standard sometimes in these movies. So, uh, but they did that. Um, they did that thing for the US DVD, but unfortunately, Discotech Media didn't keep um, printing that, which is uh, unfortunate because. I, I still wouldn't recommend getting this at like, you know, maybe 50 if you're really after it. But when it gets up to close to 100 for a disc that has like a trailer as an extra, even though it's well made, well made technically, no, I wouldn't recommend it because um, there are other ways to see it. And maybe wait for more reasonable prices or a seller here and there that isn't. Uh, and I'm even paranoid these days about like my DVD collection and stuff like that. How long are these discs really going to stay in working order, you know? Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, there's the Hong Kong ones, especially, I think, sometimes weren't manufactured uh, under the best technical uh, conditions. Uh, the, the thing with the Universe titles uh, as well, they, I don't think Universe are releasing DVDs and their back catalog is just gone now. And you're, Back then you can buy them for like 40 Hong Kong dollars, which is like a couple of bucks. But now, and, and they did generally well. They weren't, they weren't like pristine quality, but uh, this one, based on the version I sent you, it's a good-looking print. So uh, uh, so it's a shame that isn't the rights aren't furthered. Um, like, I don't need a big, like, deluxe edition or anything, but uh, I just want the availability to be strong. But Hong Kong Cinema's volume of movies means that not everything is going to be available at all times, or for when it is, it's not going to be available forever either, because... Um, you just can't hold rights for something niche sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, Discotech Media probably didn't sell this by the bucket loads or anything. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but good on, good on them for taking it on. Uh, they, they have a wide focus, Discotech Media, I like that. I have a couple of anime DVDs from them that are really well put together. I mean, the, I, I bought the Violence Jack um, compilation, the OVA for Violence Jack, and they even included, because you might remember, one of the episodes had, like, um, hardcore sex in it. Yeah, and they even included un uh, uh, unfiltered, uh, like there was no mosaic over the scenes from a Hong Kong VCD, so there were like uncut Uh-oh. sections from Violence Jack. It's still like somewhat foggy, but right. uh, it's not like these big mosaics over over the Never Regions for that sequence in the first episode of Violence Jack. And all the child killing you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful anime. Uh, certainly wonderful. Is wonderful. Wonderful. Up there, five, five out of five, and respectable stuff, you know. Probably, the, <laughs> I would probably rate it the same. <laughs> like all it. episodes are not strong, but that one, that really messed up one, like oh my yeah, god, like, someone animated this. Like what the fuck's wrong with these assholes? Yeah, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't they all like this? Fuck. So yes, uh, it's the nature of the OVA thing, I guess, that they don't produce them continually, and then sort of the direction can change from episode to episode, so not every episode is going to be messed up. 
you know, while like most anime fans are like watching, you know, series and stuff like that and getting into the big drama and stuff, Ken and I are over here will like, oh, there's a kid gets his head split open? Okay. Sweet. All right. And there's cannibalism in it as well. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, what? Yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> That's what the guys in Gates of Hell should have react, reacted to is that you should that do that should. you should take that scene joshua you're a good editor and like uh, whoa look at that and then intercut it with violence jack as the heads get split open and the kids get eaten i should I probably should like, turn it off turn it off no dude, <laughs> no, dude this. this is it <laughs> oh check her out and like have like some little girl oh man i know i know you're gonna do it yeah i probably will <laughs> so there it is so we're done for this episode so let's uh, do some quick contact information and sign off buddy but uh, good I think to uh, get back to some of the quotable stuff I love any episode we do but I like that we uh, shit like we have that catalog where we can just pick randomly from mm-hmm. the, the ca- quotable category free stuff an internal evil of Asia the dickhead dickhead image Chinese torch chamber story the wire fucking clip like uh, it's it's sort of um, some of the Hong Kong cult fans would know of this stuff, so I was glad to sort of get this one in the in the bag and in the pipeline and into our bank of uh, podcasts. Not running all the way to the bank, unfortunately, but that's the nature of podcasts. So, but uh, there we go. Like uh, uh, Kingdom Yun acting all wacky, like hey hey hey, that's a uh, currency in my book. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's what we get paid for. Do, do like do you think if uh, do do you think she would be a willing participant to even talk about this stuff? Do do you get that from her character? Like hey hey hey, I'd like to talk about it as well. Like interview me whenever. Hey hey hey. I think she'd be proud of her work. I mean, she she did it too much, too often, and was too. She seemed too excited. You know. Hey, before we conduct the interview, let's let me talk about some blowjob advice to you. Hey hey hey. <laughs> 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 okay. Like, she's just like her movies, man. I love you. <laughs> so there it is. But uh, this has been This Week in Sleeves on the Podcast on Fire Network. You can find this show and all our other shows and bonus episodes every now and again on podcastonfire.com. Email us if you have any questions or feedback about any topic we've uh, brought up here. Like, if you have any memories of watching this clip uh, on those share sites or uh, software thingies that Joshua... Uh, mentions that I do <laughs> that I'm so well versed with. <laughs> well, you remember like five or six of them. I remember Kazaa and oh, uh, stuff, but um, yep. So the, the clip made its round. So if you have Morpheus. a memory, Morpheus. Morpheus. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who? Which one of y'all remembers Morpheus out there? Send us a message. In in fact, go on the podcast on fire Facebook group to start a thread about your best memories with uh, shareware. Uh, p2p shareware bullshit back in the day mm-hmm. yeah I, I i i dabbled in it but not not extensively so but i had just i had the software running on the on the the internet speed that i had back then which was not great so you know you were downloading once upon a chime in china too on uh kazaa back in the day you can tell us about it go ahead Right on, right on. Admit your sins and we'll turn you into the police afterwards. <laughs> 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 so that's what we do now. 
No, no, but if you have any memories of sharing the wire fucking clip, then uh, then uh, do do let us know. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Or as Joshua said, if you uh, you can reach our post- podcast group uh, on Facebook and page if you if you click the Facebook button on our website, so you'll get to the group that way. So come in, discuss, share, and uh, it's uh, it'll be a good it'll be a good time, a trip down memory lane. <laughs> I know one of you probably downloaded a clip, and it was probably like Asian beauty fucks in the wilderness. And it turned out to be that clip <laughs> with Elvis Choi. In the wilderness. That, that's all, almost poetic. Like, you yeah. fuck, fuck in the wilderness. Oh, it's wild, all right. I don't know about wilderness, necessarily. It's woods, I guess. <laughs> I think, like, uh, they, they just keep it short, like, Chinese fucking. <laughs> no, all right, download this. <laughs> all right. Well, I, mean, I can't argue with that. They, they, they'll have, like, triple X on the back end of it, you know. You know, Chinese fucking XXX. Okay, there you and, go. And, and then fucking misspelled some way as well because they wrote it so fast. F C K I N G. Oh, But I doubt, I doubt you're sure that anyone uploaded a clip from Gates of Hell and named named it "Eat My Bomb." I don't think that would have been a Kaza hit necessarily. What do you think? Oh man, back in the day. It would have been great, you know. Somebody waits two hours to download a video or whatever, and it's eat my bomb in on loop. If time travel ever comes true, you should take your clip that you made for YouTube, the the, the compilation of Gates of Hell. Yes. Drop it into Casa and see how the world changes. <laughs> oh man! Like, and and then come back and like nothing happened. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think. Back in the day, I can't remember what it was. I do remember one time getting, you know, I was one of those assholes, I guess. Like, I, I was a kid. And it was, like, on Napster. And I think I, I retitled, uh, I forget what it was. but it, it was probably, like, some kind of funny clip or something like that. And I, like, <laughs> renamed it, like, Limp Biscuit Rolling. <laughs> okay. okay I, was, I was just one of those assholes back in the day. <laughs> you all hated me. Everybody hated me. <laughs> And your uh, username back in the day was so people can uh, look you up. now. just kidding. Oh, it was probably something retarded. Well, owning up to your mistakes, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Confessing. This is a safe environment, Joshua. You can confess. Like, uh, what did you do on Kazaa? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you download, boy? Tell us. What did you touch? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's uh, continue this. Uh, so our relevant social media at the top of our website, uh, the various buttons, uh, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, stream us, rate and subscribe on iTunes and all of that. I write about Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, ninja movies of uh, questionable quality all across the board on SoGoodReviews.com, but I do it because I like it. Hell yeah. And uh, my video hub is LisaKVideo.com, where I post video reviews, uh, and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. ShelfLifeClothing.com, uh, buy the original Caucasians t-shirt, and if the world was a fair one, Brian would do an Eat My Bomb t-shirt. But uh, I think uh, it would only guarantee two purchases. That's it. So, so yeah, I wouldn't blame him. But, uh, and you also have a podcast archive, my friend, so what's your podcast uh, called that you do, or oh, we don't do this? The Trashy Trio, and you can look us up. I promise we're not dead, and Wendy and I will be recording soon, so there'll be another episode coming. Looking Woo-hoo. forward to it. So, yes, let's stop the fucking and cancel our holidays plan, holiday plans to Thailand. I don't want to go, go anymore, Joshua, if Ben is there. <laughs> Come on, don't be a puss. I don't want to turn into a dickhead. I don't want to. There's this bar I know. Or this chick has AIDS. 
We'll go. <laughs> it's totally cool. <laughs> you can see it, like you can see it. Uh, she has it's, AIDS. It's a real laugh. It's a laugh riot. Well, now I'm in, obviously. <laughs> if I bring bring that up to my girl, like this is bar in Thailand. She has AIDS. <laughs> Crickets. Not gonna work. Uh, but uh, anyway, thank you anyone, anyone and everyone for listening to our nonsense here. And I hope you liked it. So uh, I've been Sleazy K. And with me was the great Lord Joshua Rigo. So send us out, buddy. Uh, bye-bye. Eat my bomb. <laughs> <laughs>